Welcome back to the Snack Walls Podcast. I'm Mike Roberts, your host, and we're here to talk about increasing and maintaining diversity in tech beyond the perks. While companies think they can lure people in with unlimited PTO and dogs in the office, we're here to talk about how you keep them. All right, I'm going to throw it over to my special guest today. Can you tell us who you are and what it is that you do? Yeah, thanks, Mike. My name is Olin Hyde. I'm the co-founder and CEO of LeadCrunch. LeadCrunch is an artificial intelligence platform for business-to-business marketing. We find the ideal audience of prospects for any business, and then we engage each one of those prospects with content marketing to start them on the journey to becoming a customer. And we perform better than other forms of demand generation because unlike our competitors, our artificial intelligence understands how companies fit into each other's supply chain. So underneath the hood is really a representational model of the economy. So we can answer the question of, if you're selling to Apple, what industry is Apple in? Are they a retailer? Are they a phone company? Are they a software company? Because Apple's all of those and a lot more, but the way you would sell into Apple is very specific to your unique differentiation. And we can tell you who to sell to inside of Apple and how to approach them. Sounds like magic to me, but I'm sure there's a lot of tech that goes into making that happen. So that I think will be um, good lived experience for our conversation today. So uh, let's just kick it off. Uh, I'm hearing from a few leaders in tech that finding diverse talent is a challenge. What are your thoughts? I think you could just say finding talent is a challenge. The more requirements you put on that, the harder it gets. Um, certainly finding diverse talent is more challenging than finding talent. To give you an idea how big the problem is, uh, we're an analytics company. Uh, you know, everything's driven off of math. Uh, it takes us more than a thousand resumes to get to one hire. For engineers, which are a particularly easy set of people to evaluate, only one out of 70 people that take our code test pass. Let me repeat that. Less than 2% of people that take our code test pass. So when you start saying, okay, let's find black engineers, or let's say find uh, people from a, from a, you know, uh, people of color to take the code. It's, whoa, hold on, pal. Let's find people that can pass the test. And so it really changes the way we search for people. You know, how do you find the best people that can take the test? And do that in a way that it is not biased towards any particular uh, group. Uh, because obviously, from our perspective, the best performing teams are diverse in two dimensions. Intrinsically, how we're born. You were born a black man. I was born a white man. So we look at the world differently just to the nature of our intrinsic differences. But more importantly is our extrinsic differences, the life choices that we've made that have brought us to who we are. And our company strives to get diversity in both dimensions, both intrinsic and extrinsic. And most importantly, we're looking for the top talent, the top 2% of talent in any respective field. And so for we've done all kinds of things to try to do that, like strip names off of uh, resumes before they're evaluated so there's no bias towards someone's name. Um, and we've tried all kinds of things, and I think we've, we've been successful in some areas, and we're still learning in others. Yeah, absolutely. And I think it's a, it's that continuum, right, of taking making some experiments, experimentation that could lead you to a better and refine a better and better process 
to get to where you ultimately want to get, which is what you described. You want to have that diversity of thought within your organization, an inclusive organization, you know, all those things that we, I think, all value in terms of having a, I guess, the anti-toxic workplace. <laughs> That's another way to describe it, right? You want to be the opposite of a toxic place that people want to stay away from in the void. You want to- right. Well, I'm a competitive guy, so I'm okay if my competitors want to have a monolithic, non-diverse environment because I'm going to beat the hell out of them when I have a diverse team. Diverse teams tend to outperform non-diverse teams. Absolutely. So on that, um, a lot of organizations, or at least some, are pushing to remove the requirement for CS degrees for software engineering roles. What are your thoughts about that? We're way ahead of that. We, we don't have a CS requirement. Uh, you know, interesting story is uh, about that code test for engineers. Uh, we had a woman apply that had a uh, PhD in computer science and a woman who was a school teacher that went to a 14-week code academy. Guess who passed the code test? Well, I know, because I've been in the boot camp space for five years. <laughs> yeah. Boot camp person won. And so, uh, you know, I think that that, ta- you know, if you look at our team, about half of the team have fancy degrees and about half the team don't. In fact, uh, two of our more senior people are college dropouts. Uh, but who cares? You look at their GitHub repository and they're awesome. Right. It's really about what can you do and not, you know, a credential or pedigree. Do you bring the skills to the table that that you need at Lead Crunch to get the job done? You know, yeah. Studies show that about 70% of job performance are things that are not on the resume. They're cognitive behavioral traits, like how much grit and determination do you have? Uh, what's your will to win? What's your ability to work within a team? You know, these are far more important. You're not going to pick that up off of a resume or if you go to a fancy school or not. And I'm still struggling with that. I know uh, Angela Duckworth's done a lot of work in that, like, grittiness and that grit. Yep. I just, if I could distill that down into a magic quiz, like the, the grittiness quiz, I think that's 90% of what we use to screen who we think is going to be successful in our programs. So is, is that any part of your, like, um, intake process is to determine the grittiness of candidates? Absolutely. We, we shamelessly steal a lot of ideas from Angela Duckworth. Uh, a book that I recommend all hiring managers to read is Who by two guys named Street and Smart. And we scorecard everybody. So we're looking for cognitive behavioral attributes that can be uh, the test. For instance, one of our questions would be, tell us a story about a time that you overcame a very difficult hardship, something you're comfortable sharing, either personal or professional. And what we're looking for, is it a real authentic hardship? You know, what we don't want to hear is, you know, how hard it was to pass your chemistry exam. Uh, And whether you have an internal locus of control or not. Sure. Do you feel that you have some influence out of, can you control your outcomes? And that's really important because people that don't have that tend to have a victim mentality. And that's just absolutely toxic to a high performing organization. Absolutely. So we talked a little bit about um, the screening process. What about um, apprenticeships? Do you think the apprenticeship pattern would work to prepare people for technical roles? You know, uh, we had some terrible tragedies earlier this year that gave rise to a resurgence in the Black Lives Matter movement. And uh, a, a good friend of mine is is a leader in the Black community, a uh, person who'd run for Congress several times. And I reached out to him and said, what can I do uh, that's meaningful to help this? And he said, teach mentor. And I thought that was a really powerful statement because I've always had 
mentees and I, I really love teaching. I teach at a lot of the schools, guest lecturing and so forth. And I think that apprenticeships have a place. They are not a solution in of themselves. So to become a skilled engineer, it takes decades. It doesn't happen in 14 weeks. That woman who who became, uh, who beat the PhD in computer science, the reason she beat her is she thought about the problems differently and was actually able to get to a more interesting set of questions. Now that didn't happen because she went to 14 weeks of Code Academy. What that reflected is she had 20 some years of thinking differently. And I think that when we look at how do we get uh, people of color into these positions, it's first, we need leaders, right? You know, it doesn't happen by just saying, okay, we're going to have some kind of quota system. That won't work. What does work is mentorship, teaching, and nurturing people into the positions where they can become leaders and they can actually become productive. So I think apprenticeship works with a lot of guardrails to make sure it doesn't go off the rails. So, uh, for instance, we've had interns that were highly successful in some roles. Uh, In fact, I've had uh, chiefs of staff that started off as interns, and that's a pretty big promotion. We've also had a data science person uh, start off as an intern. We've had a lot of interns fail because uh, they just didn't have the groundwork done. So I think that apprenticeships uh, don't replace groundwork. Yeah, absolutely. And so truly the same philosophy, I think, applies um, in in many cases. If you don't come ready, you don't practice the way you're going to play, it's going to be tough for you to be able to you know be successful. But um, given the opportunity, I, I agree. I think it's a great way to give people more hands-on reps doing the type of work that they're going to be expected to do when they're on their own. So Right, absolutely. What about um, – what advice would you share with organizations? Now they've done a good job of, of, of attracting talent. How do you retain diverse talent? Well, I think one of the most important things about a workplace is that it also has a social element. Um, you know, we're here as a team to win. The mission is more important than anything. But one of the things we do is we incentivize people to recruit their friends. And if you recruit your friends, you're more likely to stay in the organization and Uh, you're more likely to recruit people that you want to hang out with. Now, if you're recruiting the right people that are uh, challenging themselves to be the best in the world at whatever they do, those people tend to have more diverse sets of friends. You know, it's less monolithic. Sure. I think that if you think about how to retain a diverse staff, it's the same answer as how do you retain a top performing staff. And that is you make the workplace a place where it can be the most valuable stepping stone in your career. And that's what we like to say a lot. And that's the, that's the promise that we make to our employees that lead crunch will be the most valuable stepping stone in your career. And uh, sometimes those words come back to haunt us when we make that's a mistake. It's tall order, <laughs> tall order. But you know, if you're not failing, you're not trying hard enough. This is true. And uh, you know, there's always that chance that you'll fail forward too. And you yep. will then like get better and iterate a process like anything else. So absolutely. Who is someone like yourself that you think is a, is a leader that you'd like to acknowledge um, and might be a good guest on a podcast like this? Yeah, I think that, you know, there's a, a gentleman in my industry, um, Jeremy Bloom. Uh, he's one of the, I think he's been in the Olympics twice. I think he's the only person to win an Olympic medal 
and a Super Bowl ring, a winter Olympic medal and a Super Bowl ring. I think he's a good person. I think that this is a subject that he's he's done a pretty good job of, uh, of attracting and retaining great talent. And and uh, he's both, uh, we're a customer, competitor, and collaborator. So we have, a you know, the industry range all kind of work in a bunch of different ways together. Nice. All right. So he's on the radar. Be nice to have an Olympian on the show. I don't think I've had many Olympians yet. So, well, I, I think Jeremy's done a remarkable job with his podcast, and I hope that he sees this and says, "Yeah, I, I want to be on that show." Awesome. So, where can we find out more information about Lead Crunch? Leadcrunch.com or leadcrunch.ai takes you to the same place. And really, what we do is generate demand for enterprises, uh, specifically business-to-business software enterprises. We work really well for companies that have uh, sales automation, such as Salesforce and marketing automation, things like HubSpot and Marketo. Uh, People that know uh, content marketing and have established nurturing programs. Those are really great customers for us. We don't work so well for early stage startups simply because they don't have enough horsepower to do uh, to take this rocket fuel that we're providing and put it in an engine that will get them to go. But, you know, our product should come with a warning label. Uh, People that buy our product come back and buy a lot more of it every next quarter. So, you know, our our net retention or how we measure coming back is very high. And uh, we really strive to make our customers winners. That's great. I mean, that's everything you want to hear when you're thinking about uh, a service provider that you're going to be you're going to be addicted to the products. So well, I, I think addiction is one thing. I love the metaphor, but in reality, what we're really doing is we're measuring our success by our customer success. We're only successful if our customers are winning. That's yeah. that's the bottom line. Absolutely. So, last question and the most important. This is a tough one. What are you snacking on lately? What's your favorite snack? I have lost 20 pounds since uh, June, so I have been snacking on healthy things. Like, nice. So I've been doing the intermittent fasting, and I, I, I love coffee. I'm married to Puerto right. Rican, so it's, it's in her blood. Uh, and I would say my favorite snack these days uh, are a bowl of uh, yogurt and fresh fruit. Nice. See, I like the healthy ones, too, because – you get your energy level up. Sometimes you get that sugar rush, it's gone, and then you fall flat. So getting some healthy uh, snacks, always a, always a smart move. So Absolutely. Just just make sure you you have the snacks in your eating window. Don't don't snack all the time. You, it's true. It's got to be eight hours a day. Eight hours. Awesome. Well, thanks again, Olin, for coming on the program. Really appreciate your thought. Thank you so much. Really appreciate it, Mike. The San Diego Code School is a proud sponsor of the Snackwalls podcast. The San Diego Code School is leading companies to tech equity. The tech-enabled apprenticeship program is a venture whose heart is to do a lot of social good and do good work. You can help San Diego Code School secure funding for change by hiring developers, bringing a team in to relieve your backlog, or becoming a program sponsor. You can visit us on the web for more information at http colon forward slash forward slash sdcs 